Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash gray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, beautiful people. Today we have Rocky Rogio. She is the director slash producer of 1946, the movie. Hi, Rocky. Hey, how are you? I'm not too shabby. Um, we are going to really spend our time in this conversation just educating everyone that's here to listen on the mistranslation that we've been given in the Bible about homosexuality and sexual, quote, perversion and these sorts of things. And before we begin, I just want to sort of invite everyone from every perspective into this conversation. Rocky and I are both going to frame it as inviting as possible because there's a lot we can learn we've been passed down as you were saying rocky before we started like recording we've been passed down certain ideas and certain thoughts about our religion that have now become like god says thus saith the lord and it's really stunning when you peel back that curtain of certainty and you realize that there are mistranslations in there and that we've been essentially lied to whether it was an error of translation or whether it was something motivated by more darkness and evil than that which i kind of imagine it vacillates between both but i'm so excited to learn from rocky so Everyone, just stay with us. I challenge you, please, anyone that has already disliked this video, I see you. We love you. Just listen. You might have been told some falsities. So, <laughs> right, Rocky. Um, okay. So, I have studied up a bit about your research and what you've been up to. And basically your goal is to produce this movie, 1946, the movie I saw on your GoFundMe that you have a $150,000 goal to make this happen. And you've already hit 75,000. So I'll link below anyone that's interested in donating, but basically I just want to hear from you what you've learned specifically what are the most stunning points of mistranslation that you were introduced to in your journey um and maybe beforehand just give us a really abridged version of like who you are and where you're coming from sure okay let's see let's first i guess start with who i am and where i'm coming from my name as uh brenda mentioned is rocky Rogio. my real name sharon but everyone calls me rocky um i I'm coming from an evangelical background, as I'm sure many of your listeners are as well, and really grew up in the church and didn't really know any other other way except for our church is the right church and everybody else is doing it wrong kind of thing. Um, and when you grow up like that, for me, it was always just kind of, hmm, there's something not really right about this. But then I grew up, you know, and uh, and then I found out I was a lesbian. 
and you know my dad just dun, passed dun, dun. so yeah dun 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 and I'm like oh my goodness this doesn't work like what's going on and I'm glad that I actually had already um some questions that really led me away from um really identifying completely with the doctrine that I had been presented with because then it afforded me an opportunity to really just go out and explore and not be put into a situation where I was maybe in a mixed orientation marriage or something like that. Um, but that's just a little bit of my background. I also am a producer I, and I've worked in the film industry in the art department for over 20 years. So I know the film business. And when I first heard of this mistranslation that specifically discriminates against the LGBTQ community, and where we can show that the Bible has been weaponized yet again against another minority group, you know, I immediately was like, I have to tell this story. And so I have utilized that, you know, all of my friends, resources, any money that I can um, for the last two years. And that GoFundMe that you mentioned, that's only a portion of, you know, over a half a million dollars that we need to make this movie. We've already spent a couple hundred thousand in pre-production. We need to get through post-production now. But uh, so, you know, you know I, I took on this massive endeavor because I understand the power of media and I understand the power of, um, you know, the truth. And so I really just felt compelled to take it, what I learned and utilize my skills as a filmmaker to get the message out there. What was it about the year 1946? What happened? What are we actually talking about here? Sure. So there, well, the translation that happened in 1946 was one of two Bibles that were released. The RSV Bible was commissioned by a group of translators in the 30s, really, to start doing this work because it takes many years to put a translation together. And they were challenged to really modernize the text because what people were used to was the 1611 New King James. And so, you know, everybody was tired of it as much as it's, you know, your daddy's Bible. Um, it was time for an upgrade. So in, in the 30s, Dr. Luther Weigel, who was the head of the um, Divinity School at Yale University, was commissioned to charge this translation team. And in 46, they released the New Testament version. And in 52, they released the full Bible. So in 46, um, they just slipped in homosexual in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, where you see the same verse and the same use of language in 1 Timothy, identical, but they didn't translate 1 Timothy homosexual. But regardless of all of that noise, how did they make this tra translation mistake, or you know, we assumed it was a mistake uh, for many reasons, which we'll get into in the film, but where did this come from? And so I first learned about it through the researchers who actually did the translation work, Kathy Boldock and Ed Oxford, who are the leads in our film. And they were the ones that cared enough to really ask the questions, who, why, where, what. Um, and their stories will be told in the movie as far as their quest journey to discover the truth. And they have very different reasons for being on this journey. Kathy is a straight evangelical, almost pedigree Christian woman, you know, who homeschooled her children, did wow. everything right, you know, <laughs> and met a lesbian on a hiking trail and told her friends on Friday, you know, Friday brunch. And they're like, oh, you need to be friends with a lesbian because you can save her. We know mm -hmm. Kathy can save them, you know. And then she Googled gay Christians one day and found out about, um, well, actually, I think she found out about the gay Christian network through the New York Times had did an article on Justin Lee. 
and she was like gay Christians. Oh. So once she went to the gay Christian conference and saw hundreds of gay men worshiping the same Jesus she w- was worshiping, she was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Mm. I have had, I have gotten this wrong. So she led the mission to figure out how she can build a bridge between these two groups of people, gay Christians, but specifically the LGBTQ community and the evangelical church. Mm. And she was the one who discovered it was 46 uh, and the RSV translation. Now she started teaching this and she teaches a whole bunch of different other things. So she hadn't delved that deeply into it yet because her research is she delves in so many different directions. She's a historian and she looks at the text contextualized through multiple lenses seen throughout 2000 years. So what was going on in the military, in politics, in society, in psychology, in science, you know, and how are, in the Bible, how are all of these things interconnected as we know more throughout time and history, how are we been applying our theology and our understanding of relationship? Um, so as she's giving this course, there's this guy at Oxford who's in there who was literally suicidal a couple years ago, oh. and he loved God so much, and he's a gay Christian. He remained closeted, put himself through conversion therapy, found out through this uh, conference that Kathy did, the 46 mistranslation, well, he had the, the finances to do it, so he started investing uh all of his money into buying up old Bibles, lexicons, books from multiple languages from all over the world. He spent tens of thousands of dollars to gather these manuscripts to look at what is going on with these translations. And through all of his research, finding out that the RSV Bible was the Bible that had put this mistranslation in, he discovered that all of the archives were at Yale University because that's where they did the work with Dr. Luther Bible. Wow. then he and Kathy become friends because he's got this sexy book collection that Kathy's like, okay, I'm going to totally come. He's, you know, he's like, I've got old Bibles. She's like, I mean, I have old Bibles. What are you talking about? Like this crazy guy, you know, they're finally, she's like, oh, you know, gotcha. and his Bible collection is amazing. Um, so they become friends. He finds out all the archives are at Yale. He applies for a library card. He calls Kathy. He's like, we, we got in. She's like, I'm going with you. So they spent a week in the archives looking to discover why these men, all of course white men, made oh, this really? decision. <laughs> <laughs> right? Can you do you think so? Yeah, I thought um, it was woke women, a group of uh, right, exactly. Of <laughs> well, here's the thing that they discovered, which was actually really interesting. They uh, it took them a couple days to first find any sign of why they made this decision, and. You know, you have to understand all these archives and, and these these words, they, uh, they would spend, they would have pages going through just for one word translation on, on other words that mean the same thing and why they went with, you know, what they were going with and et cetera. They couldn't find anything on homosexual. But what they did discover is who these men really were and where their hearts really were. And what they discovered is that they really had the best intention. They were really, you know, God-fearing men who, you know, kept things like their wife's recipes. Sometimes they found like weird stuff like that in there, but they also found, you know, people were saying, hey, you know, I'm getting these, I'm getting held up in the voting booth because, um, you know, we're not being treated fairly in our community. And when you do something about this, I don't have a voice to do it. And they would actually do things about that for minorities in different communities. Um, mm-hmm. And so they discovered these men to be, you know, good men. Um, and then when they discovered the letter that had the word homosexual in it, 
It was a letter written by a 21-year-old seminary student who had the chutzpah to challenge this team and saying, hey, I think you have a mistake here. And he spent months putting together a really, he was in school. So, I mean, he, and he was studying Greek and Hebrew. He's French Canadian. So he already knew languages. He understood psychology. He definitely was very ahead of his time, very smart guy and put together an academic, um, you know, reasoning on why with, you know, an appendix, a three page, you know, appendix at the end with all, citing all of his sources. It was amazing. And- okay, wait, pause. <laughs> I just want to clarify. This is all amazing. First of all, I want to clarify. This is the very first time we're translating the Bible again into English since the 1600s. Is that what you said? Correct. That is just stunning the to me. The first modern, modern English Bible. Correct. Okay. Here's the most stunning thing. When you think about it, there are, you know, 6,800 languages in the world and 2,500 or something like that. I ha- I'd have to look at the numbers that have been translated into the Bible or 1,600, something like that. And out of all of those languages, 400 of those, um, and one of those languages represents, English represents one of those languages. There are 400 English versions of the, of the Bible. Yes, I do know 400, that. 400, you know, so, <laughs> but this was the first modern English Bible. And so once they discovered, so they discovered this letter, they discovered this young man challenged, challenged them. And Kathy, she's like, this is a gay man. There's no one who would have these, who would understand not only all of this science and academics and biblical scholarly work, he has the relational, you know, he knows homosexuals. I think it's really important to point out the way homosexuality was seen in the 1940s and 50s, which is something that you also bring up in the documentary. So when you talk about these people that didn't have ill motivations, that were earnest seekers of the truth that ended up adding the word homosexuality, they were coming from a perspective where homosexuality being LGBTQ was a mental disorder, correct? Absolutely. Can you explain the difference between like the way homosexuality was seen in the 1940s versus how it flipped to the 70s? And then we'll get back into this young advocate who back in the 40s knew the truth. Absolutely. And it actually comes out through the series of letters that they discovered, Um, you know, because David knew knowing he was homosexual but he knew he wasn't a predator. And so back during those days, somebody who would abuse young boys, they would be a homosexual abuser. And mm. these are homosexual vices. And they didn't even understand the difference between, it wasn't even homosexual or heterosexual. It was really more or less um, men abusing young boys. And so they just called it homosexual abusers because they didn't have an understanding of people actually having an orientation and a natural attraction, you know, and something that's not a choice. And so, yeah, it was, it was looked at as mentally ill, criminal, um, and those types of things. It was linked with pedophilia and it's been linked with pedophilia for years, Mm -hmm. but there was never an understanding of monogamous or even just consensual. Don't forget about monogamous, just consensual adults engaging in a sex act that is appropriate. Um, or, for the conservatives, if we want to talk about trying to bring in LGBTQ members in the church, then we want to talk about monogamy with a committed partner and then introduce a marriage commitment that you can absolutely uphold biblically. One, one man, 
and one man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, forever. I mean, it's the idea of, um, it's commitment. It's about taking a vow with someone and protecting someone and having trust with someone, you know, which obviously, um, our, the Christian community has no problem with divorce. You know, they're, they, they just throw that out the window and the, and the priests allowed them to get divorced because I mean, no one would ever go to church. If you, you know, like, right. There'd be no congregation. And where our congregations are dwindling and dwindling every year because a great deal of this theology is, is so toxic and harmful and it's yeah. alienating this whole community. So this incredible French Canadian yes. man, what was his name? David. So, okay. So he writes this letter and um, they're fascinated. Kathy and Ed are fascinated and they, they know now these translators, right? So they're like, there's gotta be a response. So now they're just like needle in a haystack. Where's this response? So it's gotta be on the same reel. They're looking through the microfilms at this point. So they're flipping through, flipping through, flipping through, and they found a response. And in that response, it said that, you know, thank you so much for your letter. It was only three weeks after that Dr. Luther Weigel wrote this man back. Um, and he said, we only got one other complaint pretty much about this which is fascinating only one other person was this was only on the radar for two people and they were both canadian <laughs> love canadians um, yeah i love canadians <laughs> and so they found that letter as well it was just a postcard that said hey why did you do this and feigl was like because i mean pretty much that's kind of what it was but he, he gave a little bit more care to david's answer to david's letter because he put so much care in writing the letter okay uh, and so you can see through the series of letters that he is seeing homosexual as homosexual vices. And so he explains that to David, you know, and he didn't really answer why they didn't put it into Timothy. Uh, it just was like, we just put these two words together. You know, it's, it's men, it's abuse. They, he, they agreed it was abusive type uh, activity. And so this is what we understand of the day being abuse is homosexual vices. And so David agreed with them when they wrote back. He's like, yeah, vices, make it homosexual vices, but it's not homosexuals. The difference is condemning a group of people versus an act. So That's even though huge. that homosexual vices is still a bad translation, they went with sexual perverts, by the way, which we'll get into in a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, you know, but it still at least defines what we're talking about an act, not a group of people. So through that series of letters, they come to that conclusion. And in, um, but David was a couple weeks too late because the RSV team had just signed with their publishing company that they wouldn't release another new translation. They had just updated. They did the 46 release, then the 52, then the 59. Then they had a 25 year pause, you know, or, or whatever it was. Wow. And since 71, they released their new edition. So they couldn't change it until the 70s. So in 71, four new Bibles came out. One of them was the RSV. They changed 1 Corinthians to sexual perverts. Meanwhile, three new publishing companies wanted to make their real English version because they considered the RSV Bible to be a communist Bible. And so the whole Red Scare is going on and they're looking at, you know, they, you took the divinity of Jesus away and, and, and Mary's no longer a virgin. And they're like arguing over words that just don't even matter, you know, and nobody's looking at this homosexual thing. But all three of those publishing companies used the RSV as their root text Bible. Wow. And in the 70s, we see it in all three of those Bibles. And in one of them, I think it's the NIV, it put it in like six different passages. Yeah. And now, present day, it's in nine different passages where it just doesn't belong. So, and now, go ahead. I was just going to say. I talk forever about it because it's so fascinating. I'm sorry. I know I'm like super hyper and excited about it. 
I love it. Be hyper and excited. That's great. <laughs> um, everyone get hyper and excited because this is really stunning information. And I just wanted to say really quickly, the ramifications of a group of men sitting in a room with no representation. This is why we talk incessantly about the importance of representation, people of color, people of different orientations, people from different places need to be in rooms where these kinds of decisions are happening because- yeah the ramifications, I was weeping watching the um, preview that you put together for 1946, the movie, you end it, I feel like going to cry again already, of all these teenagers and some children who had committed suicide um, because this man's letter didn't arrive in time or wasn't taken, like, it's just, absolutely. it's so important that we realize you are not holding firm onto the hand of God and his commandments when you keep telling LGBTQ people they are not welcome to have relationship as they were born to. The ramifications are huge, and the history that you're giving us is real. This is not from God. This is from a room of men sitting at Yale with no representation from anyone else but them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, again, one of the big talking points that I really want to get across for the movie. We're not trying to beat anybody over the head with anything. We're not trying to say, ha ha, look, you've been, we've been, you've been treating us so badly all these years. No, it's like, hey, man, I'm tired, really, honestly. And I would love (laughs) the next generation to have it a little bit easier, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really, really do hope that people can just take this information and just take a step back from their own privileged reality, whatever that looks like. And just be like, wow, I really should look at this. There's something here, you know, and then look at all the other stuff. And I would also encourage people to not get discouraged as we learn of these mistranslations, you know, that doesn't dissuade God. It doesn't change God at all. You know, these are, like you said, men sitting in a room making decisions. So we need to hold them accountable and we need to question it. And we need to, you know, we're never going to get to the original manuscript. It's all lost. We have the best that we the best that we, you know, have in front of us, but let's not use it to hurt other people. That's not what the gospel is meant to be. No. So your movie is obviously going to be incredibly comprehensive and tell this whole story. And I can't wait to see it. Anyone that can support this project, please do go to the GoFundMe. But before we let each other go, I would love to just dive into a bit of the explanation of the mistranslation as you've learned it, as these wonderful researchers researchers have excavated the truth out of it. What can you tell us about this? The two Greek words in question are malakoi and arsinokoitai. And so when you look at the, and those words were conjoined to mean um, homosexual. Well, arsinokoitai, I'll try to wrap this up really quickly, is no, a no, compound you don't have to go word. Quickly. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, that takes arson and koitai and puts it together, arson meaning man, koitai bed. And so the argument is, is that it's always man on man type sex, right? And a malakoi is someone who is, malakoi, we know the definition to a little bit more because it's used throughout scripture and it's used in many different manuscripts. So we know what this word means. It means pretty much it's, it's a derogatory term toward a man that has been tainted. So they've been, um, sexually used like a woman so they're the ones who are the penetrated mm-hmm. and they so they are no longer worthy in society and so they're effeminate they're a coward um they're um just weak they're weakling basically 
And so, but, you know, it would be academite is another word that they would use for it. And these are all words that we would see in Corinthians as the translations would progress from effeminate, from malachoid to effeminate, to catamite, to male prostitute, because they're being used like a woman whenever you're taking the sexual position of a woman, you know. So the argument is that both of these words are always two men. And so they put it together to mean homosexual. But what we can show and what is evidence is that it's always exploitative, aggressive, you know, sex for money, political gain, power. Some of the um, pederasty that was going on, mothers would groom their sons for this horrific act and they would be used as sex slaves for many years until they then got a certain seat in society, you know. So many different forms of sex acts were going on, but it had nothing to do with consensual loving monogamous relationships. Now, one thing I do want to add really quickly, this is a new bit of evidence that's not really out anywhere. So this will be a fun fact for the audience to look Ooh. up. If you go to the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Hebrew Old Testament, right? And you look and you type in arson and koitai to try to find where these other two words are that then were conjoined to mean arson and koitai. And you try to find them. They only link with verses that have men abusing men. But there are two verses in the Bible that use arson and koitai when they're raping women. And they're in, uh, one of them's in De Deuteronomy and one of them is in Leviticus. Oh wait, one of them's in Deuteronomy. Hold on, uh, I have the book in front of me. I'll, I'll put it in, the, we'll put it in the chat. Okay. But, and the book that I got it out of is a book called Included in Christ by an author called uh, Christy Purdue. So that's how I, I found out about this information. But the link in the Septuagint is broken. The only way that you'd have to know about these verses to know that these two words are used when they're abusing women. I just find it so fascinating. It's like, if you're trying to look at the, try to find this research, nobody's talking about this. Arsenokoitai can absolutely be abuse, whether you're abusing a young girl, a young boy, an animal, you know, a, a, a person, um, whatever it is. So I don't know. It's fascinating. Yeah. So Rocky, are you saying that each time this terminology is used, it is always centered around abusive behavior? Always. There's always a victim and there's always, or it's for, sometimes I'll call it this. Arsenokoitai is, is the Harvey Weinstein word. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody abusing a young boy or a prostitution type situation. It could be um, somebody literally using that sex for their own gain. Mm. But yeah, there's always some sort of exploitation. Yeah, because I I got a little confused when you're kind of, it sounds like the Bible frames these people, like you said, as weak, as effeminate, if they're in the position of the receiving end of penetration. So is that actually still the Bible being quite cruel to gay men or to women? I mean, I see the Bible as being quite cruel to women throughout it's, as well. It's to women, 100%. Yeah. The, the one thing that you never want to be if you're a man is a woman. And so, and throughout history, you can see, you know, and, and so part of the other things that we'll talk about in the film is the understanding of just even human anatomy and, and human reproduction. You know, for many years, they thought everything that it took to make a human was in the man's semen. And so the woman just becomes a fertile planning ground. And you can find writings where it's like, who cares about the woman if she dies in childbirth? Let her die in childbirth. That's what she's there for, you know? And so these are deeply enrooted for thousands of years. And we're slowly trying to get away from that. 
Uh, but there's some people who are still fighting that patriarchal, you know, mindset. Oh, I they know. don't understand the roots. <laughs> they don't understand the roots of it and, and the dangers behind it. But I, I think it's black and white. You want to talk about God is gray. It's black and white. It's right there in the Bible. You know, it, it's very obvious when Lot offers up his young daughters to get raped by the mob. What does that tell you about what, how the Bible viewed women? Yeah. And viewed women very differently. And that's what I really like the church to just, you know, stop worshiping this book. The, the, the word has become flesh. It's very obvious, you know, so we need to put literalism away. Okay. So what you're saying you discovered in the translation or these researchers discovered is that these words combine always refer to some sort of abuse of power or some sort of using for sex. In other words, a lack of sexual integrity, which is something I talk about on the channel all the time. I'm like, when you look at Jesus's walk on earth, he wasn't against divorce because it's gross and we're all going to burn in hell if you get divorced. He was against divorce because when women were divorced, they were cast out of society in many instances. They were considered used up trash. That was Jesus's way of making sure that women didn't become homeless or impoverished from those situations. Jesus was saying, take care of these women. You can't just discard them. And that was like where we were in society at that time. So I always lean on the message of Jesus in general. I never see him talking about sex acts that are not harmful. Like homosexuality, like you said, in these consensual relationships are not harmful. And that is exactly why I think Jesus never freaking mentioned it. Um, But because you're also saying that in the translation, these, quote, effeminate men or men that are penetrated in sexual situations are considered less than in that society and and not as good as everyone else, and that is in the Bible, I can see how still those black and white thinkers, those evangelical preachers that want to dig their heels in can say, no, the Bible does justify that we say these people are less than or they are not doing the right thing because the Bible says so. But how do you view the Bible? Because yeah. that's what I'm really curious yeah. about after all this research. That's so dangerous. I think that you can take the Bible and you can have it say whatever you want. I and agree. so if somebody wants to take the Bible and they want to use it to control women, they can absolutely do that. Um, but if we want to really get into what, and another interesting thing is, is that early Christians and not even Christians, but humans didn't have the Bible for thousands of years. Right. So there was no, (laughs) there was no book to follow, you know? Uh, and so the idea that you're saying, well, the Bible says so, and so it must be, is just ludicrous to me and honestly abusive and irresponsible and talk about a lack of humility. Mm. Where's, where's the Christian in that? There's, you know, like, where's the seeing the Christ in someone else? It, it just, it's shocking to me. So, um, you know, I think for me, the Bible is fascinating. It's interesting. It's wonderful. And, and on that note, though, we will be able to find whatever we need, I feel, to counter those crazies who want to use it to hurt other people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just yeah. dangerous. Uh, just be careful. That's what I would say. Just be careful. Yeah. One of my new favorite quotes, I, I wish I remembered her name, but um, it was just, 
if I'm choosing between my neighbor or the Bible, I will always choose my neighbor because God didn't call us to love the Bible. He called us to love our neighbor. And I think that's the most succinct way to be like, am I deifying and honoring a book at the expense of my brothers and sisters? Or am I truly living and behaving as Jesus did? And so let's get into the 80s because you said at this point, like, so we have the 40s where it was actually understood to be a mental disorder. It was believed to be completely aligned with pedophilia. It was seen as a perversion. Now we have advancements in understanding human psychology. And you were saying, I believe in the 70s, things started to change as far as we saw homosexuality. Is that true? Yeah. So in the 70s, when the the three Bibles were released and they now have the word homosexual throughout many modern translations of the Bible and the sexual revolution is happening and the, and, and, and um, equality act and everything is going on. And so the church, it was so easy for them to double down on anti-gay rights because it was right there, black and white in the Bible, homosexual everywhere. And so they used it and they weaponized it. And Anita Bryant was the first person to put it into action and they politicized it. And it was so easy for them. And then they used fear. The homosexuals are going to come after your children. It's like, get out of town. Are you kidding me? Yeah, fear, me. fear is the opposite of Jesus. It's, it's insane to me. Um, so what we me see, someone, though, yeah. Tell me but one second is, about Anita Brown. Who is this? Anita Bryant. So she, Anita Bryant. Um, she started the Save Our Children campaign in the 70s. Okay. And yeah, I was going around marching, you know, to, to, the homosexuals are going to steal your children and we need to stop this and, and, and criminalize basically homosexuality. And she was speaking in Iowa one day, it was in the 70s, like in 77, uh, doing a news broadcast and somebody came in and put a fruit pie right in her face. <laughs> it's a very famous little clip uh oh, wow. send it to you it's really funny <laughs> it's not funny but anyway she's still alive i wonder how she feels oh. about it today but she was disgraced because uh she was having an affair and they found out her husband was having an affair too you know mm. so she okay. was put down i thought yeah <laughs> um but basically so in the 70s that was going on and um this whole fear of homosexuals was going on and now it's black and white in the bible and we can show through the movie through this research and kathy and ed have gone to all of the that they went to the, all four of the translations in the 70s. They went to look at all of those notes to see if they had anything to say about homosexual. Nope, they literally just, oh, look, homosexual. That makes sense. Plop, 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 plop. Wow. But by the it's 80s, so it's, still, it's still not really malice at this point. It's still just kind of like, oh, that makes sense. And it was before homosexuality was taken out of, you know, being a mental illness, right? Um, but then in the 80s, and now that homosexuals can live free and they're not, mental anymore the church gets really scared and so each bible that comes out starts footnoting that the words arsenicoitai and malakoi that were conjoined together are two consensual sex acts by men in the footnote where in the footnote of the rsv it says these two words were rendered by two Greek expressions, which is what Reverend David then took the two Greek expressions and he was able to do his work off of. But now they're saying it's consensual acts and it's just egregious. Let me ask why you believe for sure that it was malice. Is it because you're just seeing in the times that the fear had built? 
And you can see it now. You can see it now. The church is doubling down on trans issues. As soon as marriage equality was passed, the church has doubled down and now they're totally targeting trans people, mm-hmm. you know, so um, the movie will trace the mistranslation. We'll look at all of the other translation notes. We'll look at Kathy and Ed, their journey to lead to wanting to find this discovery. We're going to talk to some gay Christians who have been impacted by bad theology um, and offer some hope to it. But, um, but yeah, really it's a history piece. You know, we, we can, it's all traceable. It's all very you know, once you put the pieces together, it's all right there. So we hope that people will be brave enough to watch it if they have, if they think differently. Yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts, uh, leaving us with some semblance of hope or excitement for the future? Um, Because I'll start by saying, I'm just really pleased to know that we are making these discoveries and that these sorts of things are accessible. And I'm so pleased to have you having done all of this extensive research to just spend an hour with me and just pass it over and give it to everybody that is watching. So that to me brings me hope that we are moving, we are changing, we're headed in the right direction. What are, what can you leave us with? (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, and it's honestly, it's people like yourself and and, um, there are now a whole bunch of TikTok campaigns that I'm finding progressive Christianity and people are now teaching me things that I didn't know that are actually helping me to make my argument stronger. Um, And I try not to use the words argument and debate. Like I'm not, I don't want to fight. None of us want to fight. We just want to exist. And we really want to get to the bottom and get to the truth. So I would say that the truth is out there. There are people who are now brave enough to talk. We have platforms so we can share information. So keep sharing information, keep talking, uh, and you know, I really do believe that we're going to see real change. Uh, mm. So I got a little chill when you said it. So <laughs> that's usually a good sign. <laughs> good, good. I hope um, so. Yeah. So I'm going to link the GoFundMe and your information you. and your Instagram to 1946, the movie, um, any other channels to you or things you want to recommend? Yeah, well, we just launched a TikTok too, but everything is at 1946 The Movie. You can find us across all social media platforms and you just Google 1946 The Movie, you'll find us. But thank you. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you, Rocky, for all of your research and and those researchers as well. Send them all of our love because that's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all to anyone that's made it through the end of this conversation and we love you. God bless.